Hello and welcome to the Musty Crater. Po- <coughs> oh my gosh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Take I just, two. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with me all of a sudden. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Musty Creative Podcast. I am your host, Jesus, and I am joined by my friend and yours, Michelle. All right. First name. <laughs> first name today. Uh, thank you for joining us today, even though it's musty in here, because we've been working too hard. If this is your first time listeners, we are the Musty Collective. We motivate ourselves to become better storytellers. Today, we are embarking upon a journey, Michelle. Yes. That's right, and for the entire month of October, we will be discussing the cult classic Cartoon Network show that touched the hearts of fans all over the world. Over the garden wall. So yes, uh, it's time for you to go outside and leap over the brick uh, wall that's protected you from the secret magical garden. And now we're going <laughs> to leap over it together and have a great time. But we won't be doing it alone. We have two special guests on the show, Rachel and Bernard. Yeah, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's good to be back. Let's start the show. Over the Garden Wall premiered on Cartoon Network in October of 2014 and only ran for one season. Uh, actually, which is pretty cool, which is what the creators intended to. And by creators, we mean Patrick McHale. Tra- Patrick Mc- McHale? Did I say it? <laughs> McHale? Something yes, like that. Yes. Patrick McHale. Um, yeah, and even though it has been six years since the show originally aired, wow, it's been that long? That's scary. Wow. Yeah, I guess so. Damn. Yeah. Wow. It, it is still a great story. Um, and... You really see that with the themes that are presented in the episodes. Even though it is super goofy, there is this traditional storyline taking place. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I've been hearing a lot just from different comedians lately is that it's really important to create content that's evergreen. So that means no matter how much time goes by, the story still makes sense and it's still relatable. And I think that the show did that perfectly. Yeah, no, I agree. For our first episode, we're going to talk about the first three episodes, uh, The Old Grist Mill, Chapter One, and Hard Times at the Huskin Bee, which is the creepiest episode in my opinion, <laughs> and School Town Follies, which is probably the happiest episode mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion. So uh, it's actually really great. These three episodes are definitely encapsulate a, a lot of what the show is doing. Mm-hmm. And in September 2017... Time oh, is just going by. We're way really timelining this. Okay. <laughs> uh, Rachel invited me to a special Over the Garden Wall concert featuring the Blasting Company, and Patrick McHale was there along with some of the voice actors from the show. And it was so much fun. Yeah, Bernard found the tickets for us and unfortunately wasn't able to join for the concert, but it was definitely one of the like really, really special moments of fandom, also. Mm-hmm. that goes along with this show yeah no for sure and i i missed out that night too i had previous engagements but mm-hmm. i heard you all had a great time the cast of the show is amazing you have elijah wood christopher lloyd who plays doc brown in back to the future it really works for him as uh as a, a voice actor for cartoons or like yeah mm-hmm. 
I, I kind of want more of him because like, boy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and then we have uh, John Cleese, which is, again, a great choice. How did this, how did Patrick McHale get this lineup? That's what I want to know. Like, I feel yeah. like he owed someone favors or had some videos on people where he was just like, you owe me a favor. <laughs> how did this happen? You got Shirley Jones and Tim Curry. He must have the connections or just mm-hmm. great casting agent. Uh, I When I first heard that it was like Christopher Lloyd, when Rachel showed me the first episode and you hear his voice, I was like, that's Christopher Lloyd. That's Doc. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, this is weird. Like, why is he in this? But like within minutes, I was in love with it. And um, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and Elijah Wood's voice, like when sometimes when I when like she's watching, when Rachel's watching in like a different room and I can hear it. Um, with no uh, like visual connection if I'm not looking at the screen and like I try and like imagine like okay does Elijah would really like fit the character or like does it like and the way he voice acts is um, it sounds so good to the point where um, like he's so so in character and like you believe it's him like sometimes you know you hear voices and you can see the actor doing it mm-hmm. in this case like it just he becomes he becomes word and it's just um, like yeah, the cast, the cast really is tip top. Yeah. yeah, no, it, it's that's very true. It, I definitely, except for Christopher Lloyd as the woodsman, I definitely forget about Elijah Wood when he's in his role as as War. He did an amazing job, and just his laughing um, alongside his brother Greg. I just yeah, it was good stuff. First watching the show and the way it just seemed to appear, the cast of voices is like part of the delight and the surprise no, yeah and they true. all blend well together like they, it's not like you have like all these different types of voices not working like they all fit the world the realm the story like the yeah. mode the mood everything about like it, yeah it's just kind of all connects it's i mean i'm sure we'll get into it later on but like there's so many little details that all mm-hmm. are consistent within each other yeah mm-hmm. exactly exactly the first time I ever heard of this show was after Comic-Con. They had released a little tiny clip of it. Okay, there's a part where Wirt and Greg are on a ferry with Beatrice, and there's all these like frogs dressed up as like aristocrats. Um, <laughs> yeah. And as soon as I saw the little the boat and the frogs, like I was charmed mm-hmm. immediately, and the colors and... Um, I showed it to Bernard and he was like, I think the first thing he said was, what's this? <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's really good. It's really, really excellent. What is this? <laughs> he was a ghost at the time. I was. <laughs> the animation style is like fluid. It feels like it's hand drawn. It, it's like really nice. But then the colors are fall like this is like the perfect, you know, thing to watch as we get into the fall. October and then into the winter slightly um but it's not it's scary but I didn't feel like it was Halloween scary I don't know I don't know if anyone else agrees with me and that's why I felt like comfortable watching it personally I, I don't <laughs> like being scaredy scared cats. yeah I, I'm definitely a scaredy cat <laughs> wow yeah no I never considered it being scary that's fascinating um uh yeah to me it was it was the cause and we we just like set up our uh living room and like tv area with like fall like fall and like halloween decoration <laughs> even though it's a little early i was just kind of getting into the mood and got really excited to uh set it up um and we would watch certain episodes and yeah if you just pause it it's just 
um, the framing of the art on the TV is like, and with the decoration, the fall leaves and foliage decoration was just so perfect. Yeah. Like this forever. Um, and Rachel, you, you had a, an interpretation of the, sh- of what the show is referring back to. Yeah. So I was looking online for all kinds of ways to learn more about the show. So I was like following Patrick McHale's Tumblr. I was, um, also, just looking through Tumblr for art and things that people were picking up on from the show. And people still use Tumblr. Yeah, I know it's like <laughs> the quietest of the social medias now. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, and then stumbled across these writings about um, over the garden wall being an interpretation of Dante's Inferno, mm. <laughs> and all these. I feel like there are more and more fan analyses of things these days but these were like tending toward like academic analysis of what um the relationships are between dante's inferno and over the garden wall and um i think i even stumbled across one paper that um proposed like animation as the new religion of millennials and that was an interesting rabbit hole to dive into no i I could i definitely see that i think I would say it was my religion as a young age, not even the millennials. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 that's that's actually a really interesting, interesting point because I feel like now the the generation they have like the cinematic Marvel universes and whatnot to to go over with them. But yeah, I think for us, cartoons have and continue to have such a like a big impact on us. Um, no, that's a, that's actually a really interesting point. Mm-hmm. With Dante's Inferno, that's like where Dante is the knight and he goes into hell to save the princess or something to save his true love and it's like he goes through nine parts of hell is that correct okay yeah no that that's very interesting because i'll ask the question to the group who do you all believe is the protagonist of the story mm. it like it jumps between like greg and work like mm. greg definitely is the protagonist i think in the beginning because he's he's just the most positive and uh, <laughs> Like, like, let's go do this. Let's go do that. Like, he doesn't have any fears. And even if he does get scared, like, he's got his ways of handling it and moving forward. Mm-hmm. Whereas Wirt is, like, the, maybe, I don't know, an underdog is maybe not the right term. But, like, um, Wirt's definitely learning as he's progressing. And Greg is, like, almost his mentor in, in, in certain ways. Um, I don't know. It would be a blend between the two. Maybe even... Beatrice yeah, at some point. She right? definitely has some uh, some arc. I think we all know that the real star of the show is Jason Funderburger. Yeah, the frog. <laughs> <laughs> where, where is he from? He that name comes from where it's arch nemesis in like the real world. Oh, um, okay. yeah. His right. like <laughs> perceived competition for the love of Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, awkward. I, I just love how simple, simply, I mean, we'll get to in that episode, but how simply everything kind of was like fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, they, like the unreliable narrator kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, this show, to be honest, um, you know, and Michelle, I don't know if you want to give your answer to the protagonist question, but um, this show to me reminds me of the page master in a lot of ways. Um, a young shy boy goes on this adventure becomes courageous and then comes back and then his real life problem was actually like very simple to deal with <laughs> and it that it really spoke to me on that level for uh michelle what, what do you think about the protagonist of this, of oh, this show um well i think it is words 
Yeah, we'll go into it later in another episode, but I think, like, he's the one that has the arc in the show, and he actually is the one that changes the most, I think, out of all the characters, so I feel like um, his actions at the end are what actually saves the day. Mm. So I, I feel like that's what makes him the protagonist. I agree with Michelle. I feel like Greg main like does a lot of things to advance their journey forward, but doesn't change very much as a character. Um, but Word definitely has his world changed the most by the end, or mm. his like perception of the world changed the most. Yeah, no, it, it's one of those interesting questions, right? Because um, it definitely feels like an ensemble cast. You have the the three main characters. And like, but like Star Wars, I always like to make references back to Star Wars. They're an ensemble cast, but I believe Luke, like War, does go on the biggest change. Greg has a little bit of change. Beatrice has some change for sure. Um, but yeah, we, I think we can all see that the War has the biggest, biggest change. But it is interesting to your point, Bernard, that there's times where it feels like Greg is pushing the narrative forward, which is kind of like a weird balance that, mm. you know, Patrick McHale has to, you know, him and his writing team have to like be careful of right and and they they do a great job of it because it could sometimes feel like greg is the protagonist he's the one pushing the conflict forward um as we get into the third episode he's the one running into the schoolyard kind of thing um but i kind of wanted to play this clip for for us and um just to see uh, just to see like an example of what happens here in the first episode of the old grist mill chapter one after they meet with the woodsman after they destroy the first kind of boss that we think is the beast, the woodsman kind of has this kind of eerie lesson for them. He'll ruin the, 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 the... You're always messing up, Greg. Boy, you have it backwards. You are the elder child. You are responsible for you and your brother's actions. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Even though, again, Greg, like... 10 seconds or 20 seconds earlier was the one who really defeated this like dog beast because he kind of threw the candy and then the dog like jumps in and gets like smushed apart which very graphic scene for like a first episode i really was yes the first two episodes (laughs) when i was first watching it with i think with with you rachel and and michelle when i was first watching i was like i don't like this show (laughs) i don't i don't like this at all this is too creepy this is really weird but in that in that moment, like I think that's why Patrick Mill has to signal, be like, no, you are the protagonist. Like you are the guy who's in charge of of you and your brother responsible, which is kind of interesting there in that moment. Yeah, I feel like he was um, pretty much laying out like this is going to be Wirt's journey, like learning that he is responsible for his younger brother. Even though he's like, oh, it's your fault. Like he hits him. Yeah. <laughs> 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 For those of us that siblings, right? Like, it's just... Oh, my gosh. I felt like Wart in that moment. And my little sister is Greg. Mm-hmm. I was, like, blaming her. It's her fault. the like scariness of the show the scariness level Mm -hmm. um i also was 
getting really like apprehensive because I don't like horror things. Um, mm. And in this first episode, when the dog like appears and it's got the scary eyes and everything, yeah. and I was like, no, I don't like this. Yeah. <laughs> then, but then it like pulls it back right at the end where it's like, no, it's not going to be terrifying and like makes you want to continue watching. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it, it definitely like it's a great, great amount of like push and then pull back because mm-hmm. you think the dog could eat them. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and you thought the woodsman might kill them. As well, he yo know, again. Christopher Lloyd gives this great performance. <laughs> like boy, like <laughs> but like you know something else like like Primal that came out like last year, which kills everybody in the first episode pretty much. Like um, they have no pullback; they're just really in your yeah. face, like death, yeah. death, 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 death. Where mm-hmm. this one definitely pulled back in the first episode, so it, it was okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's an interesting perspective. I never saw it that way at all. I maybe I'm jaded with all the horror movies I watch, but. Um, like it was never like considered creepy. I mean, my favorite episode, which is the second episode, is the creepiest. But I think that's why I love it so much. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, when like seeing it, it's like it's like I don't, I don't know if I was ever scared. I mean, I can definitely see your um, your perspective on that and or like understand it. Um, but no, it's fascinating to hear you guys talk about that because I never ever even considered this is a, like first of all, it's on Cartoon Network. And, yeah. you know like big big blue eyes or like bubbly eyes like every, all the characters are very playful looking and yeah. soft everything's rounded mm-hmm. there aren't any aggressive shapes in it so that's true that's that's a very good point so yeah i was like wow it's like it's fascinating that so many different people can get so many different reactions to all these scenes and mm-hmm. and then to be able to like you said like tone it back and stuff and be able to like no no it's okay come keep watching keep watching yeah, <laughs> yeah. no I, I would be the first one to admit i'm a scaredy cat and <laughs> And uh, but I'm glad that we do have you know someone here who does watch horror and and, and <laughs> who can kind of be like y'all that that's not scary. Let me let me. I get mean, I something. have my limits. Let's not like I'm not too crazy, but yes, <laughs> you like a good scare of movies. Yeah, I don't know if this is universal that whole idea of like what is scary and what's not, but I feel like that's a pattern where they will present something and let you let your like preconceived notions about it come out and then they'll flip it. I feel like that happens multiple times throughout the show. Yeah. Mm. No, that's fair. Yeah. To, to me, the first episode was maybe the most confusing, not like from a story perspective where I was just like, what is this? What are we watching? And I, like, I was just intrigued. I wasn't hooked. I was just intrigued mm. just because of like, what the heck is this thing? Um, until we got to the second episode. And at, as soon as the second episode started, I was hooked. I was like, yeah, this is me. This is all me right now. I love this. <laughs> Yeah. There well the whole intro of the show is like a foreshadowing of things yes. that happen later on. So like if, yeah. it, if like the scenes feel really random at the beginning when you haven't seen the show, but when you watch yeah. the whole thing through and then you watch the intro again, it's like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at the beginning, like you see a silhouette of a bird which ends up being Beatrice later yeah. on. Um so there's just so many like little hidden gems throughout the show that all connect somehow. And I think that's really cool. So I don't know if that means anything. That might be I might be reading too much about it. <laughs> but she first tried to contact them in this episode and was not successful. They're like, you know, magic bird talking. And that's another thing that's kind of weird, right? Like this show in the first three episodes is trying like your place in this world and you don't really know what's going on. Are these two part of this world naturally? But they obviously are like, wow, there's a talking animal. What are we doing here? So it's kind of like the first couple clues of, okay, we're, they may be like a like a Toto and a um, 
what's her name? Dorothy? Dorothy kind of thing. <laughs> and also, it's kind of interesting that I feel like maybe she's hanging on the branches of the beast. Maybe? Is that possible? With this kind of silhouette? Oh. I wouldn't have considered that. I mean, maybe. But yeah, maybe. Also, a fun note about Beatrice is that in Dante's Inferno, the love interest's name is Beatrice. And she's flipped to be Whoa. Um, a friend instead in the series. Hmm. Yeah, yes. I definitely thought there would be a love interest with her. Yeah. I see. You know, the flipping for me, um, it looks like here Beatrice is watching them enter the woods. Mm. And then the end of the episode where she's watching them leave because they're entering or exiting the frame to the right, aren't they? Like when yeah. Ward and yeah. Greg are kind of walking into the light. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, she's maybe watching them. So I guess this is just her tracking. Mm-hmm. So they enter here on the left and then at the end of the episode, they're going to the right. So maybe she's just watching them and tracking them. Yeah. Like Predator. Yeah. <laughs> well, also... I mean, Arnold could be here in the shadows right <laughs> yes. there. Is Arnold in the, in the covered in mud in the bottom left there? <laughs> we'll have to, like, enhance this. Enhance. Wait, Arnold? From Arnold the Predator me. movie. Oh, mercy. I was like, wait, wait what's going on? No, I was just going to highlight, too, that in, in the opening when they when they showed these boys, like, we're, these are... There are colorful characters in this like gray black wood, right? Mm, mm-hmm. And the trees, it's you know, I don't know about you all, but I think we've all had this experience of walking in the wood and you have these like very old trees with old roots kind of springing up, but like it can it looks very veiny, almost like human flesh kind of like surrounding you. <laughs> and you know, for me this sets the tone of like this is this is this to me is scary. Like these Innocent little children, colorful little children, are walking into this <laughs> mist of, of gray and darkness um, with some creature watching over them. I don't know. Wow, yeah. Again, yeah, another yeah. perspective I would have never uh, considered without hearing someone like, you know, that's not into horror as much to see it. Like, to me, it's just creepy trees, but skin and, uh, you know, wrapped in vines and things. That's, yeah, that, <laughs> that could see that. Get get uh, the first the first notes of these of these characters. Giggly, jumpy Tom, Thomas, tambourine, leg face, McCollin, artichoke, penguin, Pete, Steve. But I think the very worst name for this frog is. Wait, wait a second. Uh, Craig. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, they're trying to scare me. <laughs> they're trying to scare. Me. And then that owl in the last frame totally is like a Disney yeah. uh, silly symphony owl reference. I, I want to say, I want to believe it is. No, no, I you mm-hmm. definitely, this has definitely been in, in Disney animation for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, no, um, the thing that helps break, give you some levity in the scene is, is Greg and Greg, Greg's silliness, mouthing enough names for the frog. Which I don't know how he gets the frog. Like he appears with the frog, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it's just kind of very silly. And then Wart now brings us back to reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but his his character of being a, a drama queen, who wants to touch? Who wants to touch on that? <laughs> of uh, Greg or yeah. Wart? Wart. Wart. I love his character. Just like the poetry and the like over emotionality yes. of his character, yes. and verbose. <laughs> Yeah. No, yeah, we have okay, we do have to talk about the poetry. Yeah, we'll we'll bring up that clip for sure. No, um 
Yeah, so like I said, my first run through, I like Greg, but then he was always getting people into trouble or doing something silly mm-hmm. and remind me of my relationship with my little sister as a, mm-hmm. as a young person. So I was greatly annoyed with his character. But then Wart was like just so annoying because he was always <laughs> complaining. Yeah. Um, never like, and then, you know, he's just being left behind, just doing silly things, being pushed around by Beatrice. It's just, ugh. But I, I, I liked how oblivious Greg was, though. Yeah, no, that's true. I think it, it was a really good balance because, like, Word is so dramatic and serious about everything, and then Greg is just like this carefree, like la da da. He's like has no clue, like the danger he's in <laughs> or what he's getting into. I think it was like a really cool balance between the two. Like they're sort of like the complete opposites of each other. Yeah, he Word's Word's um melodramatic kind of uh personality is written really well because like those kinds of um characters typically like frustrate me Mm -hmm. um and to a certain extent greg's kind of character also frustrates me yes and i'll I'll kind of explain why for me at least but like for Wart, um because of the poetry and like this he goes off on this artistic tangents yes, um, yes. and things. I was like, oh, okay. I love him now because he's like this kooky, crazy, poetic like um, person. Yeah, he's an artist. I was like, okay, well, I can kind of re- relate to that for sure. Um, I relate with word a lot, except for I'm um, hopefully I'm, I don't I don't consider myself a drama queen, but I can definitely get dramatic <laughs> <laughs> in certain times, uh, stress and such. You know, it'll bring it out. But um, yeah, I definitely like. I was like, oh, okay, I love this guy. Like he is like this. Um, he's, he's, he goes off uh, his, on his little melodramatic tangents. I love it. But then you had Greg with, yeah, he is oblivious and which frustrates the heck out of me. I was like, come on. Like, it's like, I feel like those kinds of characters every now and then, um, like, I hate to make this reference, but like Jar Jar Binks, like they, (laughs) like they're stumbling buffoons. Yeah. Where like they, um, they, they either stop the progression or like they, they do things that are like way too obvious to like, okay, nobody would have done that to like destroy a certain thing, like, like destroying the grist mill. Like, yeah. With like throw the candy overboard. Yeah. The candy, like all that, like the stuff he does, (laughs) like you would imagine, like in, in certain cases with certain characters that have been written before, like when things like that happen, frustrate the hell out of me because they, they, they're um, just stupid on purpose and you're like, no one's that stupid. And even if they are like, it's just frustrating and it's like, it's annoying to watch for me. <laughs> but with Greg, like I thought he was going to be that character, but because he's so committed to that role and he actually helps things move forward in a revealing way and not in a like, oh, haha, it just worked out kind of way. Like, right, like right. I fell on top of this thing. Yeah. Is it going to help us? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so that's why I was like, okay, this does work. And then we, there is that balance because you get that kind of goofy, oblivious person who, who's not oblivious for the sake of being oblivious. I think that's the key. He's oblivious because he just wants to have fun and he's he's his own character. And, and the way they wrote him, he was very dedicated to being that character. And mm-hmm. same with Wirt, so... Yeah, the the balance between the two was um, was great, and what I loved was seeing Beatrice get frustrated with that same exact thing. Where I was like, "Oh, why don't you be more like your brother? Oh, why don't you be more like this?" Yeah, like, yeah. Like, and then she would bounce, like she would flip back and forth between episodes, like, "Ah, oh, which one do I want to convince to go to Adelaide and whatnot?" Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, no, that's 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 a great point. Um, I just want to give a little bit of of time because I just love this. To me, this is my favorite character. Um, 
I love the woodsman. I just want to give a little bit of time for people to hear uh, Christopher Lloyd as a woodsman here. What I just love here is that he doesn't really speak any real lines, but he's just like, like just perfect, like Christopher Lloyd, like just mumbling to himself, like the scientist that he is, like Doc Brown. We just recently watched Back to the Future, like like last week or two weeks ago, yeah. and and just seeing him bumbling, kind of like, and then, and but it's interesting too, if you, like going back to see what he's doing. Is you see all this black and you get to you really the world building slowly seeps in that the trees and the black, but even just a little a little further back, you see the trees drawn to look like the faces of people. Mm-hmm. And but obviously they're dead, which is ah, it, it's creepy, but you don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. And obviously we see the first we see the first sign of the lantern. Is there anything you noticed in the first scene that intrigued you? Well, I think it, it later on, not in this scene, because it's just a lantern, like, oh, he just needs light. But then later mm-hmm. on, when he when they meet him, you get the first, like, actual dialogue. Obviously, we get this first meeting uh, of Beatrice. So Beatrice tries to convince them to, to talk to her. You're weird. Like, not normal. I, I mean, oh my gosh, stop talking to it, word. It? Uh, I, what I, are you doing I, here? Explain yourselves. And I'll see you guys later. Bye. Mister, well, whatever you do here is your business. We, we just want to get home with all of our legs and arms attached. These woods are no place for children. Don't you know the beast is afoot here? The beast? We, we, we don't know anything about that. We we're just two lost kids trying to get home. Well, welcome to the unknown, boys. You're more lost than you realize. Like now, <laughs> and then the scene right here, you have this tree. <laughs> and it's just like bleeding out with black blood or something. And it's like, welcome to your dome, boys. We're lost. They don't know. It's like, <laughs> oh, so terrifying. <laughs> oh, man. You know what I noticed was the uh, the turtle with the candy on it? Yes. Like, oh, that's, I, I didn't notice this before, but that's a, that's a turtle the dog ultimately eats. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and then spits out. When I first saw the dog spitting that thing, I just was like a piece of, like, oh. thing. But I didn't realize it was the turtle. And then, like, here's the reason why that poor dog ate it was because Greg put a piece of candy on it. <laughs> oh, that is so – I never thought I, – I was I was actually watching – thinking about this last night about why did the dog turn into the crazy dog later on. But mm-hmm. the turtles – The turtles I, are weird. Something yeah. about the turtles are strange because they make appearances later on with hunty whispers, which is kind of creepy. Yes. Uh, but, yes. um, yeah, there's something about the turtles we, we need to look at later on. Yeah. There was actually a question on Patrick McHale's Tumblr about the turtles and like what they mean. And he like very cryptically did not answer and was like, I will not explain the symbolism of the turtles. He got bit by a turtle when he was a kid, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) But the turtles being black and then when you eat them, they, yeah, okay. So yeah. And then the fact that they turn you into something that is like much more evil or, yeah, I just, Mm. it it is interesting. Like maybe some further research in, in the next episodes we can come Everyone has a torch to burn, and this here is mine. I grind the horrid Hazelwood trees into oil to keep this lantern lit. This is my lot in life. This is my burden. This guy sounds loony. (laughs) Maybe we should make a break for it. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, just in here you get the whole. He he kind of taps at the lantern, tells us mm-hmm. of what he's doing, 
So again, I don't I don't know anything about the woods. I don't know nothing. I just know like you can turn if you you find a maple tree, you can get syrup out of it. I don't know anything about <laughs> like burning edel edelwood or edelweil whatever to to make the lantern burn. Mm-hmm. Is edelwood a an actual? I don't wood? know. I, I just don't assumed know. it was something. I didn't question it. I was just like, cool. All right, burn those sticks. I think I feel like maybe edelwood and edelweiss might be related. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then eight, um, eight Adelaide. Hmm. hmm? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. No. I, I, I do a lot of reaching. <laughs> I think it, it would a, not surprise me Adelaide. if they're connected. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. The way that I was interpreting this, like as I watched this again later, the woodsman seems like he's trapped in this purgatory-like state because he has to continually keep this lamp burning, and he—it's mm-hmm. like there's never an end to it. It's like. That, and he's saying, like, that's my lot in life, that's my burden to bear, which is interesting because later on when the woodsman's talking to Wirt, he's saying, um, your burden to bear is being responsible for your younger brother. Yeah. So I think it was just, it's interesting how it's like, it mm. seems like each character in this world has some kind of burden and that's their, that's like why they're stuck in this type of like purgatory-like yeah. state. Which is going back to Dante's Inferno, and yeah, no, that, that's that's a super good point. Yeah, yeah, we should keep that in mind moving forward, and like when we catch up on some of the other episodes mm-hmm. to see what, where, how else we can point some of those out in some other characters. Yeah, the main characters, I should say, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, diff- Beatrice definitely has a burden, bird in, and uh, <laughs> oh my nice. God. nice. And then I'm sure there's a lot of well, a lot of other characters we'll come across. Well, might too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even the beast has a burden. Yeah. Yeah. That's Iron true. Maiden said so. Just two things here. Um, we're, this is the first time we get some of this like poetry kind of self um, exegist. I don't know how what, <laughs> to, to, to call it. But. Pretty nice. Yeah. I guess it's possible there's a beast since there was a talking bird, but. Yeah. Greg's <sighs> not know. even listening. Sometimes I feel like <laughs> yeah. I'm just like a boat upon a winding river. Twisting towards an endless black sea. Uh, <clears throat> further and further, drifting away from where I want to be. Who I want to be. Oh, I didn't know that. Did you know that if you soak a raisin in grape juice, it turns into a grape? It's a rock fact. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Patrick, he, Patrick Hale's writing here is just perfect. Like, the like contrasting words, like, just very, very dramatic self, mm-hmm. like, so, I don't know, again, explanation of life. And then, you know, Greg is just, like, trying to swing at things. Which <laughs> which leads to, like, the, the next the next funniest moment for me is that when they're trying to... When, when they have the dog beast kind of guy enter into into the room, they have the woodsman. And you think you think the woodsman is the, is the enemy. But then the woodsman is actually trying to protect them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love this. They mess with the woodsman so much. This creature looks as though it has. So, you know, like, so, like, the whole idea, like, Wart tells Greg, hey, we'll knock him on the head so we can escape. And Greg finds something to swing at the woodsman, even though he's trying to protect them. Misses the woodsman and he slips and falls (laughs) and gets knocked out. So they have to fight him on his own. It's like perfect, Greg. All in a nutshell, like he does advance the plot forward. He 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 tries to be the hero, but he's 
he just messes up so much. <laughs> it's hilarious. The house that the woodsman is using for the mill is, I think, supposed to be Beatrice's family's house. Oh. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? Interesting. Yeah. I guess we'll have to look at that because they show the house later on, don't they? Yeah, they show everything. Yeah. In the house. Hmm. Even at the beginning, they show like an intro. Interesting. Because they show the, the woodsman's daughter. Okay. Interesting. Hmm. I'll have to look for that. Hard Times at the Huskin Bee, Chapter 2. Bernard, I, you know, I'll, I'm going to let you, you know, kind of maybe take the lead on this episode because, like I said, it's my least favorite episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah like, they, they enter into uh, Pottsfield. This, this episode has Ray Bradbury written all over it. He's, in, he's an author, mostly uh, fiction, I think. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, that's right. Um, he, 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 yeah, a lot of his stuff to do with, like, um, small Main Street USA type towns that are very set in like autumn type themes um, around Halloween or just spooky, creepy things. Um, uh, yeah, and it just has this whole this whole episode reminded me of like as if like it was inspired by him or something. But did he write Halloween? He definitely did. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. He wrote he wrote Halloween, the Halloween tree, which is um, a story about what Halloween is. These kids go on this kind of fantasy adventure um, to understand what Halloween means and what it is. Mm-hmm. It's not just uh, trick-or-treating and um, masks and candy. Like they go back and they visit all these other nations and cultures and that uh, do Halloween a different way. And they, they, they just learn the history of it and such. So um, it's just a really fun, fun book. It made it into a, a, con- a car- cartoon at one point, but but yeah, it's it, the theme and the just the, the overall quality of this episode was so much to me of that reminiscent of that. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it definitely grounded it more in the, in the weird, in the yeah, abnormal. <laughs> um, also, that creepy pumpkin face. Yeah, <laughs> creepy vintage. <laughs> it's not vintage. creepy. <laughs> yeah, vintage creepy. <laughs> um, but it, it's interesting too because the, the episode starts out with like you know a lot more light. Uh, you see regular animals. It's not as steeped in the fog and the darkness of the wood that they had just left. Mm-hmm. Um, so things seem to be going on the up and up. This episode, although it was more of the unusual, creepy people, creatures, things, um, it was also the most visually grounding because you're not in some abstract wood yeah. woods. Um, you're not. You're. you're it's the first time you see a village, and I think this is probably the only episode where they are in over the garden, I guess, where you see a village. Like, you see more than one structure at a time. Like, you see some kind of place where a community could exist. Yeah. Um, again, that that whole – that and that design also goes back to a lot of, like, um, Children of the Corn has this vibe where these two couples end up in um, – a town because their car breaks down or something very typical, stereotypical horror movie thing. Yeah, oh, um, I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> but they they end up in like this town where it's very much like Pottsfield, and um, these kids are really creepy and they're running around in the cornfields and such. And I don't even know if there's any adults nearby. If they are, they're really something about them is weird. 
I can't, it's been a while since I've seen Children of the Corn. But again, it's that whole aesthetic. Um, it's, and I'm, I'm not into horror to the point where it's like gore and like crazy weird things. I, I mean, I, I just like the creepy factor. I love like the, the fall colors and such. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, this just starts off that way right off the bat. Like they find themselves in this village um, and no one's near. So like it's it's intriguing. It's definitely for me, it's, it's 100% intriguing. Who lives here? What's going on? Where are they? Um, I want to know about more about these houses and who lives in them. And um, I want to explore them. Like, I, I love that. It's like it's like playing any post-apocalyptic video game. You you love exploring these towns that you find and like what's going to be around the corner. So yeah. this this had it all. This had it all for this episode was like it just checked all the mm-hmm. boxes. Yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting. You said like apocalyptic video games like I, I instantly went to Fallout. So that's yeah. pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I, yep. I just like the first <laughs> the first character that they meet is like a turkey <laughs> that's just resting <laughs> on a table and he's yeah. like he just gives yeah, him this yeah. like dead stare. <laughs> yeah. Well actually I still don't know what that means. Yeah, th- yeah, that I yeah, I don't get the whole the, the turkeys and the and the pumpkin farmers, I that relationship is still very weird. But actually the first character they, they meet um is actually Beatrice. Um and we get like a more formal introduction to her. Here is. She, do you think she's stuck here on purpose? I've always wondered this. Yes, definitely on purpose. She's stuck here on purpose, right? Yeah. So she. So yeah. So the scene we're seeing here is that Greg hears someone calling out for help, and it's it's a very familiar voice because it's Beatrice the bird from the first episode, and I definitely believe she's catching herself on purpose because she doesn't even look like she's tangled up that badly. If you help me, I will do you a favor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's really like pushing that on them. Yeah. And I didn't really catch that the first time that I um, watched the show. I just thought that was like her personality type. But like after seeing the whole thing and then watching it back, I was like, yeah, she's being like really pushy and trying to like get them to move quickly throughout this whole thing. And I had no clue why. And Wirt is actually very like against helping Beatrice, doesn't trust her from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So in in this sense, he's being a good older brother. And mm-hmm. I think I actually I, I kind of went along with it because it, it felt fishy and all of a sudden they needed to help this bird. And man, is she mean? Like she's like, oh, I like my name is Wirt. Or it's like, well, my name's Greg or my brother's name is Wirt. Oh, yeah. Who cares? Yeah, <laughs> she like, is. Damn. Mean. Yeah. <laughs> also, the sound effect that goes along with the turkeys like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah. sorry. Uh, I'm looking for a phone. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that was gross. She's like, so they're already dead or something. And I love that in the first episode, Wirt is like, oh, this is really weird, blah, blah, blah. But then he sees this turkey laying on the table, and he's just like, yeah, whatever. We're in a bit. I don't care anymore. Yeah, well, because his whole big thing in this episode is that, okay, at least we found, like you said, Bernard, mm-hmm. some sense of civilization. Uh, and then he says, actually, in this episode, I'm, we're just looking for a phone. So that's another kind of clue to they're not really from this time period. Yeah. Um, so, again, we don't know. You, you don't really know what's going on, but you don't you're still you feel like, OK, something is, is off here. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the part to me that really gets creepy is that they get into the barn um, and they see like a hoedown. Yeah. Put it on your vegetables and celebrate the harvest with it. Uh, oh, you're wearing costumes. Well, sure. Pumpkins can't move on their own. Can they? 
the the eyes are like vacant. Um, <laughs> you know, you you want to believe the best, but you know this this is a strange this is a strange strange world. So I'm yeah. not I'm not sure. And they also give like a clue, like when he talks to another pumpkin lady, she's like, "Oh, you're here early." So it's like mm-hmm. implying, like, what does that mean? Like, yeah. there's something, there's some like <laughs> alternative. <laughs> yeah, there's like, like a, a, like a kid happening. carving a pumpkin, but he's holding the pumpkin. It, it's yeah. That's uh, my favorite. One of my favorite scenes. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> slow turn. Yeah. Uh, I I really just hate it. Um, so we we have a pretty pumpkin <laughs> lady. <laughs> she has like lipstick on and everything. Um, uh, say, aren't you a little too early? What do you mean? I mean, it doesn't seem like you're ready to join us just yet. Join you? Yeah, no, I'm just passing through. Folks don't tend to pass through Pottsfield. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's nice here. Yeah, so, you know, that's that's all the references. And, you know, we, we've all I've heard about religious cults and, you know, people don't leave and you must mm-hmm. stay and all this, you know, all these bad warning signs that we tell kids like stranger danger. So these are two children <laughs> experiencing all these things, mm-hmm. um, and and it's just uh, it's just crazy. It's just a, a terrible, terrible thing. But the whole not early thing really gives you a clue as like what what's going to happen to them. Why are they early? Early. Mm-hmm. Um, that underlining tone. Yeah, because she says uh, you're early. You don't seem. What is it like? You're not ready to join us. Ready. Yeah, you're not ready to join us. It doesn't look like you're ready to join us yet. And the only at that point, the only visual key, uh, I guess, yeah, key you have is like they're kids. They have they're the only ones not in costume, and they don't have. Well, they are in costume, but they're not wearing um, like they have <laughs> skin, right? They have skin. They have eyeballs. Yeah. Uh, we don't see any of that. So if you were to just to take that off of like face value, you were to assume. The people in the co- like pumpkins are not probably are not alive is what I thought. I, I, like it's like mm, yeah, these, these must yeah. be dead people. Um, especially if you know like when you come here, you don't leave here. Something sinister maybe, but also like the the more it like revealed itself, the more it was like mm, something about this is uh like like either it's like limbo or yeah or it's just a, a, someplace people come to finally rest and uh, you know. They don't go anywhere, but they definitely do start it off with like this creepy kind of like, um, it's like, Oh, what are you doing here? No one comes here just to leave. Like, like, like stay, you know, like, uh, it, it is very culty, very, um, not welcoming, I guess. Yeah. And then obviously that leads to like, Oh, you want to leave? And then the, the giant pumpkin that was stationary that they're like, you know, kind of dancing around, um, <laughs> kind of like, kind of like maple. Yeah, yeah. I, there's a there's an old like children's activity that they would that people would do. Yes, yes, and it's in Children of the Corn, by the way. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh my gosh! And then and then the pumpkin moves and just like, well, what's going on here? And like that's when I was completely creeped out. Enoch. And I did. I wanted to stop. <laughs> yes, hmm? yes. Enoch. Oh yeah, and it was called Enoch. Yeah, yes. yeah. That's the interesting Enoch. biblical reference right there too. What is that reference? Yeah, it sounds like a very specific name. It is. Yeah, so Enoch is uh, a character in the Bible who lives a long time, but then also is so good that he goes straight to heaven. Like God just says, I don't want you to be here. 
anymore. I want you to be with me and just takes him to heaven. So it was an interesting choice die. of words. He does, yeah, he doesn't die. Exactly. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So again, very, very interesting references that, that are used in, 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 in this. This is interesting too. You, you again, <laughs> the show pulls pulls back and and pu- like pushes you into the creepiness and then pulls back. They say, "Oh, we have to judge you for the crimes you've done," and and then it just ends up you know a couple hours of labor, mm-hmm. and and kind of plays a song over them working, which I it's it's funny. Like, okay, good, we're we're not gonna kill children yet on the show, but we're getting <laughs> yeah, yeah. we're getting closer and closer to to. Also, a great song, one of my favorites. I mean, hats off to Blasting Company. That mm-hmm. like the. The song that plays as they're doing their chores, like you know, like <laughs> clock in when the day's over. Like it's yeah, just yeah. such a, such a nice song. It's mm-hmm. so, so perfect. Yeah. The turkeys are just so weird. <laughs> Like extra jiggly. Yeah, it's extra jiggly. <laughs> and in a in a weird way, they kind of like so when you first see the turkey in the house, like it's like, why is a turkey living in a house? Right? Like it's just weird and like what is this place? It's strange. And then of course you meet the people, it's even stranger. But then doesn't don't things kind of normalize at the end? Like I was like, yeah. Oh, these aren't strange people. They're just people like you're in a town where they wear these costumes because they're no yeah. longer with us you know like they're right. doing their like celebratory thing and the turkeys are just their version of horse-drawn carriages i guess they're just yeah. the uh the, the mules yeah the, the mules yeah mm-hmm. yeah so i was like okay well that's not too strange i mean it is it's a cartoon first of all it's a it's a it's crazy world but like it's explained it's not like the turkey is living in a house and what cooking dinner like yeah so it, it is it's very interesting how at the end everything kind of has this interesting closure mm-hmm. it's, um, it kind of goes back to that um thing of like where it kind of exaggerates things in his mind but then in the end it's not as bad as he thought it would be yeah yeah like they weren't gonna murder them they were actually just trying to get their friends up from uh-huh. the grave like it's kind of funny <laughs> yeah and just hats off to the animators um just doing such a great job drawing different you know instances and and greg yeah. <laughs> just a, a great instance <laughs> where, where Ward is still doing his thing, over explaining, so he doesn't. He feels like he's not gonna get killed. And Greg just runs. Beatrice runs. The frog runs. They all just leave him. Mm-hmm. Perfect. It's perfect. Town Follies, one of my favorite episodes. Probably, probably my favorite episode. They said <laughs> this was the one that made you actually like the show. Yeah, School Town Follies, chapter three. I was like, okay, I'm okay with this. <laughs> I want, I'm, okay, I'm okay with this. It's not too scary. I also wonder if they intentionally did this because they were like, okay, creepy, creepy. Let's give them like a breather. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Patrick McHale. That's what I needed. Because if there had been another kind of Pottsfield kind of town. I would have probably had, I probably would have been done. Probably would have thrown down the controller <laughs> and walked away. We'd be doing another podcast right now. Yeah. So this one, this one is where like, going back to Bernard, your your early points about, you know, is it is it work or is it 
um, Greg as the main character. And I in here, it definitely feels like Greg kind of pushes the the conflict, pushes the narrative forward. Um, he starts off with the cute song of "We're going going off to Adelaide," and I, and this time we're by this time we're assuming that Beatrice has fully convinced them that going to Adelaide is the best place or the best thing for them to do. Mm-hmm. We don't know why, um, but yeah. we're kind of thinking it's like a like a Wizard of Oz kind of thing where it's like hey, if you just get to the to the wizard, then you'll everything will be okay. Yeah. Yep. But it's actually good because then it gives the show it gives the characters like a goal to to move forward to. Um, it doesn't feel like they're kind of just wandering across this this forsaken country, um, they're able to move forward to some kind of place and their goal is to to leave and, and get home. Um, e- even though they don't know where they actually are. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it's, a, it's a good thing from a story development perspective. So here, uh, Beatrice is trying to convince Greg to be more like his brother. Thank you. We'll just focus on getting you guys to Adelaide so I can wash my hands of this whole affair. And if you could pick up the pace a bit, that'd be great. Okay? Okay? Hey, where's Greg? Oh, um, wandered off, I guess. Cheese and crackers! We need to do our part to make the world a better place! <laughs> yeah. Huh? Whoa! School? Psh, not today. <laughs> I like how he possibly comes to a place where they can be saved and he's like, school! <laughs> it just like runs back into the woods. Yeah. yeah, it runs into like a dim, dark forest. <laughs> Battles, like, they know there's monsters and like yeah. and dogs and things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just not today in you know, 2020, it's like, not today, Satan. Like, you just, <laughs> just school. <laughs> It's, but then the funny thing is, obviously, Beatrice has gotten to work, calling them names, being mean, being savage, like, you know, like a, a little bluebird savage. And and Wirt is, you know, having none of it, now wants to do everything opposite of what um, of Beatrice wants. So it's funny how Greg looks at it with school, but then as, as Wirt shows up. Greg! 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 Oh. Greg? So he actually goes in, which I thought was interesting to show the, the major difference between the characters. Greg is outside, you know, fooling around with the with the other animals that, for some reason, they're wearing clothes. And then Wirt is inside with the animals who are trying to get an education. Very, very interesting, <laughs> like, play there. Excuse me? Please, take your seat, children. So this is an actual human. She looks normal. There's nothing wrong with her. Um, but we also see like a dog in a sails, a sailor suit or outfit, um, cats and pigs and bunnies and, and clothing. Um, but we see again uh, uh, a teacher, a human teacher, and she says, "Once the bell has rung, class has begun." Um, okay, like what, what's going on here in this world? Like they went from Pottsfield with the with the skeletons yeah. as pumpkins and all this stuff. To the woodsman, who is also human, mm-hmm. but he was kind of a creepy dude. And now we have this, like, regular, warm, kind of fun place. Yeah, I think the thing that stood out to me was that it it sort of reminded me of those Richard Scary cartoons. I don't know if you've seen those. It's, like, teaching you the alphabet and stuff. Um, but there was, like, this old show that I had on, like, VHS 
and it was a Richard Scary thing, but all the characters are animals in clothing. So it's like the animals are acting like they're human, but they're animals. Yeah. But it, it's just, I don't know, I think that was sort of like a callback to that in a way. Um, Interesting. It might be. I've never heard of that. Richard Scary. I got to look that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it's kind of like, it made me think of that. And I think one of, like the cat in the back, I think she looked a lot like one of the characters that was in the show. So it, mm. that's why I think that's why it made me think of that. But I feel like that was sort of the reference he yeah. was pulling from. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And then there's um, also this little rascals type of feeling in the episode too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Especially when they're outside with yeah. with uh, Greg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's... yeah. It reminded me of like uh, highlights magazine characters and like uh, yeah. or, or like Arthur, um, the cartoon where like you know they were just all kind of creatures and animals. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't he like a mouse? What was Arthur? Uh, yeah. An aardvark. Cool. Right, an aardvark, right, and then yeah, there was like other animals. So yeah, I I I really like that. Um, Wirt goes into the dunce box. He's like happily goes into the dunce box. Yeah, <laughs> yes. But I think that that goes from like what Beatrice was saying is that like he's a pushover and anyone could just tell him what to do and he'll do it. So yeah. He's like, oh, okay, I'll just go in this box over here. Yeah, and then and then uh, we. Um, just also want to give this teacher some credit. She's singing this song um, about her lost lover, Jim, or something. Mm-hmm. It's like, A is for the apple he gave to me <laughs> when he first said hi. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a, the great music. Like, it, it's really awesome when you see a show come together. Great visuals, um, great story, great sound, great music. They all just come together. And then Greg is out here with a raccoon. Um, I, I, the clothes that they chose for these characters, very interesting. Now we get a turtle. Yeah, there's another turtle. There's a turtle. The raccoon happily throws it away, <laughs> which is good. But, you know, it's interesting because the kids outside have, like, the poor clothes. And then the kids in the in the schoolhouse have, I guess, more, like, more richly clothes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah I guess, yeah, I never realized... These are like the kind of rough rascals that are the street urchins, as it were. Yeah, yeah the street <laughs> urchins. And then they try to they try to play uh, tool cats. <laughs> and then there's a gorilla. I don't know. There's so many things in this episode. And I don't know if the like Dante's Inferno references are getting old. Let me know if they are. No, no, but apparently, yeah, it's fine. apparently, this episode represents the third the third circle. Hmm. Of hell, oh no, the second circle of hell, that um, is cool. <laughs> I wish, but <laughs> lust. So like the teacher and her relationship and how she's like oh. wrapped up in this relationship. It's this circle is supposed to be about lust. Interesting. Hmm. Okay, I mean she is like really. It's seeping into her professional work. Um, it's, it's caused like a complete disturbance in her life and in the lives of these animal children, Mm -hmm. um, the Mm -hmm. school made to teach (laughs) animals to read and write. Um, (laughs) now obviously this episode would be nothing without the performance of of Greg and, and what he does. Um, Wirt and Beatrice, in my opinion, really take a back seat and you get to, you get to lunchtime. And, and and Greg has a wonderful idea. This. 
Or like this? Mmm, good enough. <laughs> oh, potatoes and molasses. If you want some, I'll just ask us the warm and soft like puppies and socks filled with cream and candy rocks. Oh, potatoes and molasses. All right, so <laughs> this, the silliness has gone... This is, I would say, as silly as it... Oh, and it's not as silly as it gets, actually. This is pretty much almost as silly as the entire series gets. Mm -hmm. um, have ever, Has anyone ever had potatoes and molasses? No. No, <laughs> never. Okay. I've had them separately. <laughs> I have never had them together either, but it sounds disgusting. It sounds completely <laughs> awful, but I guess in this time period, this would be the best thing. This is like cotton candy, I guess. Um, is molasses uh, essentially like syrup, but like unprocessed or something? What? Yeah. I, I, that's that's where I want to want to okay. say. Okay, that's like straight from the tree. <laughs> it's more bitter than it's not like sweet, really. Mm. Oh, interesting. Molasses, yeah. Uh, interesting. Huh. Yeah, um, but it's it's to me it's the best song uh, <laughs> uh, of this of the show. Now, if anyone wants to fight me on that, then we can we can begin now. But fight me, fight me. <laughs> Well, I don't know. If it's your favorite song, it's your I don't want to really fight you. I'm not the one to say this one's better or worse, but well, uh I I, I, um, I I can I can go I can go back and forth between that and the B song, but I, I don't want to reveal that too early. But yeah, tell uh, us why. Why is it your favorite? Yeah. Um I it's just a really silly song, um, but the context of, of these depressed uh, poor students, animal students, and he's like he doesn't like what they're eating, but if they, if they just if because they're just eating potatoes like mashed potatoes, I guess, and water. But I guess if you mix in just a little bit of molasses, um, and then again, uh, the rest of the animals start pulling out musical instruments, and it's it, it's it's just weird. It's just mm. weird but joyful and happy, um, <laughs> and, and not terrorizing, not creepy. It's uh, the safest song. It's the safest song. <laughs> Maybe that's why. I like it. Um. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't move the plot forward. It doesn't give you like a hint to like the the future of the story or anything. Um, mm -hmm. But I just thought it was interesting. Um, it, just, it, it is. It is a breather episode. I think, like what Rachel was saying, I think it definitely. And you may. You may. I don't know. Maybe you're. You love it because like it's a time where, like, hey, we can kind of put all the craziness aside. Even though there's like a weird gorilla monster, but like <laughs> we can just kind of have fun and then uh, be positive because all these. All these guys are just kind of stressed out at work or are at school or, you know, not enjoying their food or whatever. And mm -hmm. especially the the, the t with the teacher downing everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. Here comes here comes Greg with a fun little song. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you? Right. I think that's why I love Greg so much because he can make anything a positive moment. Yeah. Yes, would you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The party gets broken up. Um, by the, by, this father uh, who's funding the school does not want to see joy and songs <laughs> singing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I was thinking too, like in, in this episode, I feel like this is the beginning of when Greg starts to help people in this world because that's true. he helps this school stay afloat um, mm -hmm. by stealing the instruments. Um, so I think it's just it's kind of interesting like the for I guess for these people their burden was to make this school work and the teacher's burden was to find her true love 
And then both of those things get resolved, I think, through Greg. Through Greg and, and Wirt. Yeah. He helps a little bit, too. Yeah. Yeah. And then Beatrice and Wirt have this, um, they have this ongoing fight about, you know, who's mm-hmm. a pushover, who's not. Do you, To me, this is kind of like where Beatrice and Wirt start to have more more of a deeper friendship. If there is if there is any love story to tell between a bird and a boy, um, this is kind of where <laughs> it would begin. Uh, they escape the school and they're at night. And Greg has it in his mind that, you know, he wants to help change the world, save the school, or at least do something to help. Animals was a bad idea. My life savings, my home, everything I had went into that dear, dear school. And now I'm forced to sell these instruments just to keep it open. All the while, that loathsome Jimmy Brown is off gallivanting who knows where. Not to mention that wild gorilla on the loose. (sighs) If only something would go right for a change. I think he's asleep. Let's go steal his stuff. And that's how Greg also, wants to Also, theft is the theme in this show. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Well, there's another episode where there's a lot more theft, too. Yeah. But, yeah. But, yeah, no. Greg, Greg, Greg's resolution is, let's steal this stuff. <laughs> and he's, like, sleeping out in the woods under, like, a, like a coat. <laughs> and, like, he has to prop it up. He's, like, <laughs> poor, poor beyond poor. <laughs> and Greg, <laughs> he just heard his big speech. He's, like, let's steal this stuff. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh levity levity it's okay if he steals if it's funny <laughs> for a good cause it is for, it is. for a good cause um yeah this this episode kind of ends pretty much on the note of just of, of fun uh, problems all get solved there's not really much more you can say there's no there's no hints um uh as far as well there's one I'll, I'll highlight it when we get to the end but as far as the, the, the this town and this village's problems, they don't seem to appear to add to the larger context. There's more humans though. That's that's another thing that's interesting. Yeah. They're 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 humans and everything seems fine, so why would they not stay here? Uh, this looks better than Adelaide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because they have like you know, there's adults here obviously, and I guess they never bother to ask, like, hey, can we use your phone? That's true. <laughs> to uh, get back home, mm-hmm. but when you're fun. set on like, oh Adelaide, Adelaide, Adelaide is gonna make our it's it it's like it becomes like a oh, wait. I mean, we could ask someone, but like we've already set our hearts on Adelaide, and mm-hmm. let's just kind of stick to our plan. Yeah. Also, were there squirrels just now that were kicking the gorilla head? Are those the yeah. same ones that had the scary eyes in the beginning? Oh. Oh, I don't know. That's a good point. They they probably had bows. <laughs> Little they, bow ties. I thought they were more like cat squirrels, but no, I mean, yeah, I guess no, that makes sense. Here we go. The the clothing and the way everything looks, it feels like this is back in time. Yeah, very colonial. Mm-hmm. Or maybe maybe they maybe they would oh they have do had. have bow ties. They maybe. are the squirrels. Interesting. That's interesting. Maybe maybe they would have had um, a telegraph. Maybe they would have had a telegraph. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh. I don't know if Wirt and. Uh, Greg would know what a telegraph is. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Candy rocks. Hey, Bert. Yeah? Tie your shoe. Hmm? Oh. Mm, okay. Oh, if yeah. your stomach... Uh, from a visual standpoint, you can see, like, Beatrice kind of giving Wirt, like, a break. Kind of understanding, like, okay, he's just a kid. 
yeah, mm. a teenager kid, but like he's still pretty young. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see like the sense of that Wirt is growing on Beatrice. And mm-hmm. Wirt, I think, you know, tying his shoe was like, you know, um, you know, Beatrice is growing on, on Wirt in a way. Absolutely. They're, they're definitely starting some kind of relationship, mm-hmm. um, friendship, whatever you want to call it. What, what I also noticed, this was the third episode, and the third time, three for three, we see what we think is an enemy turns out to be like a misunderstanding. The, mm. the monster wolf thing was just a dog who ate a turtle. Right. Um, the crazy looking pumpkin people and the, they just wanted uh, their, their friends out of the grave so they can celebrate with them. So there was no mischief there. Mm-hmm. And then the gorilla was <laughs> the poor old Jimmy trapped in his costume. Yeah. So I was like, at this point, I was like, okay, well, wh- everything is not what it seems, right? It's, right. That's the theme. Um, and so you start wondering, like, what is the monster all about? Like, what is this beast? And we've never seen the beast yet. And we've only maybe heard the voice or or something. But um, yeah. Or if you're wondering, like, what if what if uh, the woodsman is the beast? Or you're so, you're, but, you know, does that flip it? So there's definitely that kind of consistent thing happening here too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, even technically, even the woodsman didn't kill them, sent them off, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't try to keep them. So yeah, mm-hmm. it looks more like fear is a real enemy, and you know, with Wart, he is always succumbing to fear. Yeah, um, for the most part, and yeah. it, it's it's a very yeah, it's a very interesting episode about about what like what is what is going to happen. Okay, so let's end this episode with a rock fact. Yay! Yay! (laughs) So I got this from an article, um, Interesting Facts About Over the Garden Wall, um, from the user Cannibal87. And also there's a little bit from Wikipedia in here as well. Um, But it says, The town name of Pottsfield may refer to potter's fields or plots of land where farmers and hard laborers were buried in unmarked graves because they could not afford personal graves with headstones. A potter's field, pauper's grave, or common grave is a place for the burial of unknown, unclaimed, or indigenous people. This could explain why the townspeople are actually skeletons. Hmm. Ah, well, there you have it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all we're going to talk about for today's episode. Uh, we hope you found this interesting. And if you haven't started watching the show, hopefully now you're super intrigued because we're going to go through the entire series. Mm-hmm. By the end of October, you will be a rock fact professor. Uh, <laughs> on next week's episode, we will be discussing episodes four and five of the show, Over the Garden Wall, uh, with Rachel and Bernard as well. Mm-hmm. Yay! All right, excited. <laughs> Looking forward to it, guys. <laughs> And if you guys have any projects that you're working on, please let us know by posting on social media with the hashtag MustyCreative, and we will share it and you on the show. We want to thank our monthly supporters for helping us make this episode of the Musty Creative Podcast. With your support, we will be able to create better shows for you, interview more guests, and buy better equipment. You can support us at anchor.fm slash musty and click on the support button. And that's all the time we have for... So remember to leave us a review on iTunes and find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and anchor.fm slash musty. And now it's time to shower up.
gives them a satisfaction they couldn't get any other way. <laughs>